Welcome to the Fins Up Podcast. I'm this week's host, at Southern Dan, and as normal, I am here with a man who loves the chicken schnitzel, Mr. Terry Mortimer. Terry, how's your week been, mate? Uh, it's been fantastic, Dan. What about you? Been very good. I've been very excited about this. I've, I love talking about Newcastle on Twitter, as I'm sure you're all too aware. So I'm having, having a feeling that tonight's going to be a lot of fun. It is, mate, and honestly, I'm going to say, like, we've had some really fun guests, and uh, I think tonight's guest is probably going to be, like, the, a really big draw card for us. This is, this, is, this is huge. I'm so excited for this. Mate, I'm nervous. As you can see, I'm nice and hard in the nips. You've had, uh, it's going to be a fun night. You've had a haircut and a shave, Dan. You look good. I have, mate. Thank you so much. I've, like I said, we got a mini, like, a, well, a major celebrity on tonight, so I've got to look good for once. So. Mate, you need, to, not for you, mate. you need to get off Skype and get on Tinder because you look fresh. Well, thank you so much. Just take some screen caps, eh? I'll use them as my new profile pictures. I will. Who, who, yeah, who, who have we got lined up, Dan? Today, to, well, we have, most people here will know him as the man behind the Bronze for Johns, which is the second greatest piece of merchandise after we beat Newcastle 62-0 and frightened the hell out of that. Uh, the one and only, uh, young, young Carlo, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, gentlemen. I'll, I'll tell you what, you get straight to the uh, the 62-0. I, I was late for that game. I actually missed the first try that afternoon. And I said to my other half, I said, don't worry, there's plenty more of those that we can sit through. And I was right. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, what a, uh, what a privilege it is for us to have you on here. Because um, you have just, you've taken social media by storm, mate. Look, um, first of all, thank you very much for having me on, gentlemen. Um, I can absolutely assure you that, um, that the privilege uh, is all mine. And um, look, you know, when uh, when the, when the heart passionately wants something, when you when you're driven to um, towards a noble cause, you know, um, kids, anything is possible. So uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what comes of it. Well, be, we'll let you uh, we'll let you pump your tyres on bronze for Johns, but we've got to get through about forty minutes of pain first. So uh, we'll kick it off, Dan. What have you got for us? Um, well, let's skip round one and go straight to round two. Uh, <laughs> we, we won't. We're here to cop the good with the bad. Um, look, whatever the score was, don't care. You guys cheated. You used 30 extra sharks. Round one, though, that's, that had to be a pretty good win. You guys haven't beaten us in a fair while. How are we feeling after after the game? Well, for me personally, that was actually a, um, that was a, a, a difficult night for me. And... Um, I developed laryngitis on the Monday of that week, and I missed the first game of the season. So I was sat at home watching it on TV um, while someone else was using my uh, season pass. So I didn't even get to enjoy our fine first up win um, that season. But um, and I, I won't get too far ahead of it. But uh, uh, Edric Lee's try that day started off what became a recurring theme for the Knights over the next few days, which was the um, the sort of the what if theme. Oh well, where would we be if, or where would we be if that hadn't? And so, um, yeah, that was that was the Edric Lee uh, interception, where it was. Um, well, we'd be, um, we wouldn't have even won the game if not for a miracle interception. No, nah, it was just a shit pass from Chad Townsend. Friendship <laughs> <laughs> winning shit. <laughs> um, just, just we'll, we'll take it back. I'll, I'll take it back a little bit if I can. I know round one sucked for us, but it was good for you. But. Three, I think it was two or three weeks prior to that, we we beat you thirty to six in the trial. Um, so it was a bit of a shock for us that we could go from so high to so low. But what were after the trial and before this game? What were your twenty nineteen expectations for the Knights? Uh, top eight, one hundred percent. We we um, you know a lot of <sighs> Knights fans have really been going going over this a lot over the last few weeks. And one thing that we do keep coming back to is that because nothing happens in isolation we were we were promised that this year was going to be the year not not premiership contenders you know necessarily but this is what the three years of pain was all about 2019 was the year that the plan was finally going to come to fruition so we sat through trial losses and subpar performances because we were like no no this is part of the plan we're not worried about results that don't matter we're worried about processes that will lead to results. And um, uh, I can guarantee you after that round one win, as tough as it was against you know, a, a, a tough opponent, yep, we were, we were finally happy that we could delay our Bali trip in September for at least one week. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's fair. 
Yeah. Fair. That's a that's a good honest assessment as well. And um, just going on, uh, listening back through uh, Dan and I. Dan actually had you guys in the top eight. I had you finishing eleventh. So one of us was oh, right. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. Uh, as you were, Dan, keep going. Mate, most of the pre-season and the opening month or two, or the opening month, revolved around Caelan Ponga moving from one to six. Now, I wrote in the pre-season, I, I strapped my rocket quite almost physically. <coughs> Sorry, boys. Um, I strapped my rocket to that, saying that you guys were going to go straight to the top with Ponga at six. Didn't work, obviously. What did you make the experiment? Was it worth it? Did it set you back? What were your overall thoughts? I, I wish Brownie had stuck to his guns. I think the way um, Nathan Brown handled the Kalen Ponga um, move to six sort of summed up his uh, time as coach of our club. He never really, in the end, backed himself or he never really saw things through and sort of um, put a plan in place. When you're going to make a when you're going to make a major half with your star, um, sorry, when you're going to make a major change with your star player the way he did, regardless of you know any deficiencies he might have had at fullback, you know, because that was the excuse he used after three rounds, he's like, oh, I've got, we don't have a fullback now, I've got to move Kalen back there. It's like you can't tell me that there wasn't anybody else in the club that could have filled in at number one. I think was it, I think it was Watson yeah. who was playing fullback to start the season. You can't tell me that someone else could have filled in if you were so. Um, set on having Ponga six, Pierce seven, it just simply could not have been given up um, after after three rounds. So I think that move really summed up Brown to the extent that it's questionable whether even he really knew what he was doing or whether it was going to be whether he thought it was going to be successful. Definitely. But after after round one's uh, win, you then had to go five losses on the trot. So. Oh, yeah. After the Titans absolutely did you over 38-14, to 14, what was the feeling like? What were your thoughts? What was happening? Talk to us about Knights fans. How were they handling it? And what was what was the situation after round six? Right, so, um, the, so Titans. The Titans lost. I was in Melbourne for that game. And um, I found there's a nice little Irish pub um, on, I think, Burke Street. And um, I always go. I always go there. They've got as many screens as you can possibly have. And I found this nice little area right in the corner, you know, curtained off from everyone else. And I was like, "This is this is the game where we turn our season around. We cannot lose to the Titans. In Brown, we trust. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to tail them up up north, and uh, we're going to be on the right path." And I managed to run into the one Titans fan outside of the Gold Coast in that pub who subsequently spent the rest of the afternoon absolutely giving it to me. And I just thought, this is what hell is going to be like, me having to watch the Knights lose to a team that should be worse than us and hearing about it in, um, um, in, the, middle of, uh, in the middle of Melbourne. So I was ready to... Um, pack it in. I was ready to give up on the season. Um, and God knows I had three, three years of um, practice uh, in doing it, so I knew all of the right lines. And, uh, yeah, it was it was tough. I think because it, it was Magic Round next up, was it? Was that the... No, no. It was the, the no. round after was Magic Round. Or Magic Round was a bit after that. But uh, you bounced back and beat Parramatta. So, I mean, situations change so regularly. So, so that was... The, the bounce back against Parramatta really was, and I remember this now because um, that was when we started to think, well, maybe the problem isn't the Knights. Maybe the problem is the fans and their expectations. If we start, because we thought for all money, we'd gone through the five-game losing streak, right? And not a word of a lie going into every game. We were like, no, 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 we'll turn it around this week. No, 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 we'll turn it around this week. Like I said, Titans was going to be the game where we turned it around. So going into the Eels game at home where they were in really solid form, I had written us off. I was wearing the padded underpants um, that afternoon. And um, I don't think anybody in that stadium was more stunned than I was that we actually got away with a win. So that was the turning point, not just for the team for the next you know, six weeks, but that was the turning point for fans. where we were like, well, we need to stop expecting wins. Yeah. Let's. Let's start 
thinking that they'll lose, and maybe that'll send some sort of reverse jinx out there, and the, the players will keep responding to it. So, um, yeah, great win. It was a, it was a, it was a great game to be at as well. You know, what do you got? Six, six weeks, six straight wins. You guys beat the bunnies and the roosters. Did you have another shift of expectation? So, um, if you, if um, if they're going to do a DVD review of uh, of the night season for 2019, I've, I've been thinking about this um, all year. But you'd, you'd have to call it something like um, uh, six weeks when we were contenders, because um, you just yeah, there was this feeling around the team, and there was this vibe around the fans. We were like, oh, it, it's okay to support these guys. You know what I mean? Because the interesting thing about the, the, the first six rounds of the season was, and, I, and you know, when you're in a five-game losing streak, you look for any comfort that you possibly can. Newcastle historically, and even during the Johns era, my, my personal opinion is that we were not a strong defensive outfit. I think today we are the worst defensive premiers in the, in the history of the game. Um, and one thing that sort of one thing that kept giving me comfort during those opening rounds was our defence. I think you'll find in those first um, five or six rounds, we had like one of the top five best defences in the comp. So the issue wasn't so much that we weren't putting in, or at least not from our perspective. The issue was that we just couldn't put points on the board, which normally for the Knights um, isn't the problem when we're already conceding thirty or forty points a game. So the reason I say all of this is that going into the game against the Rabbitohs, you know, grabbing those wins away from home, it was it was the way the boys were muscling up in defence. Where you were like, yeah, this is this feels good. This is this is good fun supporting this team. So I don't know if the expectations sort of changed so much as certainly not in, in the early stages of the streak, but it would just it just felt nice to not be embarrassed by your footy team week in week out. So that was probably the best part of the streak. Yeah, look, that, that streak came to a massive halt down in Melbourne, though. I, I remember the lead-up to this game, um, it was talked about, this is going to show you where the Knights are on this season. You're yep. playing against Melbourne, who were yep. who were first. I think you guys had crept into the top eight at that point. Everyone was like, let's see what Newcastle are made of, and you, yep. lost, you lost by 30. So, uh, can I just correct you on something? You say that we snuck in the... I'm pretty sure you'll find that we were top four going yeah. into that. It may well have been on points differential. Yeah. <laughs> so rarefied was the air. So um, so not used to being that high up. I, I can almost guarantee you we were top four. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny looking back on that game now um, because it was a capitulation in the end. But at the time, in the game itself, we felt like we were in it until like the last 20 minutes. I, I don't know if that's necessarily what actually happened, but because um, we may well have been, you know, two or three tries down at half time. But for some reason, I just remember watching it. The conditions were rubbish, and I was sitting there. I was like, no, 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 we, we've shown good form. We, we are a team that, you know, can finish a little bit stronger. It, I just felt like we were still in it with 20 minutes to go, if only to the extent that we could at least make uh, Melbourne uh, earn their win. Um, and what would. What unfortunately would happen that game, which would turn out to be a problem for the rest of the season, was we didn't finish strong. We in the end just capitulated and we absolutely packed it in. And yeah, you're right. I sort of look. There's, there's, I think after the game we were like, look, there's no shame losing in Melbourne. Um, but looking back on it now, yeah, it, it, it really was a shameful performance in the end. It was, um, yeah, it was disappointing. I, I remember this game because it was six nil after about fifteen minutes, and then. You guys had all the ball, you had all the possession, and then uh, a, a play went out the back, you dropped the ball on the ground, and the only player on the field that you don't want to pick the ball up was Josh Adokar, and he picked the ball up and ran the length of the field. Yeah. Um, and then to start the second half, you guys nearly scored, and then Melbourne went up the other end of the field and Vunavalu scored, and it went from you know 6-0 and you guys were competitive to 18-0. And uh, before you know it, I think you scored just after that and then Melbourne just, yeah, as you said, they finished you off, as they do to teams. And it was funny, because I think I actually tweeted at the time, I was like, you know, I don't want to overstate this or anything, but this could be the most important game in the history of the Knights, um, of the Newcastle Knights. And uh, going out of that game, in isolation, I think the general consensus among Knights fans was, look, we we learned a lot of lessons. 
you know, this is this is the game. If, if we want to be contenders or if we want to be playing finals, if we're going to travel down to Melbourne where it really matters, these are the lessons you learn now and, you know, hopefully we make something better of them in the future, which, you know, ultimately didn't happen. Before we go back to the season, uh, a little bit off the field, which Newcastle can be very good or very bad off the field. The club's official Twitter account, I don't think I've ever seen something so small divide a fan base so much. What's your take on it before we give ours? Refresh my memory. What is this? Some of the most ridiculous garbage, teen announcements, animated gifts and videos of all time. And then, and then the odd absolute pearler that made the other 12 weeks of garbage worth it to a team. Oh, the, the, um, oh, I, um, oh, look, Knights fans were buzzing about those. We love them. In fact, um, I think as the season sort of slowly started to wear on, I think the catch cry amongst Knights fans was, um, um, how come, how come we can't put as much effort on the field as our social media team is doing off it? So, um, uh, and I'll tell you what, you know, credit to the Knights, um, to the Knights Twitter account and, they know me particularly well these days, so I've got to give them credit where I can. Um, they're really ramping it up again for next season as well. So, uh, no, I, I, as, a, as a tried and true Knights fan, I stand by our social media team. They, um, God, they have to work hard. Yeah, your, your mate runs it, doesn't he, Dan? Yeah, he does. Yeah, Look, going back into... Going back into the season, after that Melbourne game, it was just indifferent result after indifferent result. You beat Brisbane by 13, or 13 plus. You lose at home to the Warriors in a game that you shouldn't have lost. You lose at home to the Bulldogs in another game that you shouldn't have lost. Uh, Then the Roosters get revenge on you. Um, At that point there, round 18, season was pretty much slipping away. And then you lose to the Tigers at home. Yep. Can't be doing uh, that. Can I just look? Uh, uh, because this was essentially the last highlight of the year. I do have to backtrack momentarily to the to the Brisbane Broncos game because for me the Broncos win actually rivaled the Roosters win for our best performance of the season. And I don't I don't know if it was just um, the fact that you know there's, there's never a better feeling than beating the Broncos or that um, iconic moment of Jesse Ramey and just absolutely steamrolling Darius Boyd. But because um, I was at a work function that night, I was at an end of financial year, and I was so far gone. Um, but um, but yeah, little did we know during the Broncos win that was as good as it was going to get. Um, for me, the, the, the there were two, the, there, and I won't step too far forward for the second one. But the Bulldogs' loss was one of the two lowest low, well, one of the three lowest low points for the for the season because, I mean, the Titans' loss was hard and at the time you thought, well, this is going to spiral out of control, but the six the six win streak sort of brushed over that a bit, but yeah, that Bulldogs, that Bulldogs loss, you know, everyone, everyone bagged that Bulldogs team so hard that they said they've got no talent, they've got no unity, they don't know what they're doing, but I remember sitting on that sideline and every Knights fan knew it we were like, that team is putting in harder than ours is, and man, that was it was so hard to watch. It was it was really it was probably the one time this season I was like, I really have no interest in staying for the rest of this game. Um, yeah, that was it was it was low, and then the loss by the stage we were losing to the Tigers. To be honest with you, when we lost to the Tigers at home, I was just more annoyed that we hadn't spoiled Robbie Farris three hundredth. Um, that was really the um, that was really the key part for me. Look, um, but yeah, the Bulldogs loss was the one that hurt the most. Not only did you lose to the Tigers at home, but the Tigers put forty on you at Campbelltown as well. That's which there, I was at, which I was there for as well, which is fantastic. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Look, there's, there's, uh, I hate the Tigers more than anything. So yeah, right. I, I, I love teams that come on and absolutely dust the Tigers, but unfortunately, I can't give you that credit tonight. So. Well, the Knights have a bit of a checkered history um, with, when it comes to the Tigers. We sort of, you know, we, we, we've had some great wins against them. We've also had some low. I think out at Campbelltown, and it might have been back during the 2001 se- season, I think we held the record for the most, like the biggest comeback loss um, in, in NRL history. I think we were up something like 32 to nothing. 
and they ended up coming back to beat us, 38-32. to 32. So the Knights, I, I never feel comfortable playing against the Tigers, and I certainly never feel comfortable going out to Campbelltown. Um, but again, that night, it, 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 that, that, was the, that was actually the angriest I was at the, at the players that night because you, you almost got the feeling that they were that they just didn't care. And by that stage, you know, you're talking about fans who had gone through a one-and-a-half season, a one-and-a-half win season, had travelled down from Newcastle to Campbelltown, and to watch them put that in, oh, that was, that was, that, that's probably the first time in 31 years where I really had started to question, why am I doing this? You know, what, 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 what am I putting in if they, if they can't even be bothered putting in for 80 minutes, you know what I mean? Didn't, the week before, didn't you smash the Cowboys 42-6 before the yeah. Tigers lost? Because I think you'll find after the Tigers lost as well, after the Tigers lost as well, we then went back up for Old Boys Day and absolutely cowed up the um, the Titans. And that was what was starting to become really infuriating about the end of the season because you really did start to get the impression the players are picking and choosing. And I'm like, we, we, the fans deserve better than that. We deserve better than that. Yeah, we, we don't deserve for you guys to go out there and just go, oh, we might put in now, we might not. No, no, no. You put in every game. We'll, we'll take the loss. We've taken the losses. <laughs> but we, we're not putting in effort. That's one thing that we just wouldn't cop. Uh, it didn't get any better in round 25 either. You, uh, you, Finals hopes were on life support and you uh, get dusted up by the Panthers 54 to 10. Ah, that's right. Ah, mm, yeah. Uh, that takes me back. I think I think by that stage, because what you need to, what you need to appreciate about a Knights fan is that um, uh, we're, we're used to the resignation of defeat. It's something that, it sort of fits on like a comfy pair of old shoes or, um, you know, those um, those underpants that you just don't want to let go of. Um, when it comes to sort of end-of-season capitulations, because um, I think by that stage our, our, our final season, as you said, really were on life support. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not sure I want us to be making September so that we can be completely and utterly embarrassed by the um, in the first week of the, of the finals. So... Um, I think, I think that performance and I think that loss really in the end was just a case of everyone saying, can this season just be over already? We, um, you know, let's, uh, let's uh, move on to the O'Brien era and um, just put these four years of Brown behind us. That game, though, did spawn one of the greatest Twitter gifts of all time. You could see that kid's heart break. If you haven't seen it, I'll send it to you in a minute, but it's... It is genius. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've downloaded that gift. Don't you worry about that. Many <laughs> years. Um, overall, I, I know we're, we're going to bring up the dreaded R word soon, so don't worry, I'll leave that for Terry. You're other, the other big man, David Clemmer. Yep. Did he live up to your expectation this year? He lived up to mine. But again, it, it, it's the fickle thing about Knights um, supporters is I know he didn't live up to everyone's. Now, I don't know what everyone's expectations were of him. Um, I do know that a lot more knowledgeable, uh, objective fans than I have been, were quite critical of him this year. To sort of, um, I don't subscribe to this, but there has been a, a, you know, sort of accusations of stat padding in terms of he does get a fair few sort of um, meters, but what do they really mean? Um, I don't know. I sort of still subscribe to the idea he was what, he was the biggest one of the biggest um, meters gained front rowers going around this season there's not a lot more that we could really ask of him uh so for me yes i thought clem lived up to expectation and what everybody seems to forget as well is that if you took his meters gained out of our forward pack um i I think he was doing he was doing the majority of the of the work so um if you took him out we would have been absolutely pummeled for the rest of the season so i think it's it's um, for people who sort of said, oh, he didn't live up to expectation, I think it's a case of not appreciating just how good he went for us. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that as well because he, for mine, in your season that probably maybe promised a little bit and just didn't deliver, I thought he was really good. And the one thing that with every good prop or, you know, you have a look at a team like the Cowboys, for example, with Tom Malolo, who's going to make 200 metres a game, yep. you, need, you need other yep. people to back him up. And Daniel Saifidi did that job so well and rewarded himself with an origin jersey well I'll, I'll tell you that and I'm not really sure if I'm sort of but you know um, uh, it, it, at recent pre-season training there was whisperings that uh, 
a call was yelled at, hey, you're supposed to be an origin player, you know, for a bloke who was sort of sitting in the shade because he couldn't, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't working hard enough. So, um, uh, you know, I think, I don't know, I don't, look, I don't know Daniel from a, from a bar of soap. I only obviously know him, you know, the way he plays on the field. Uh, but, um, but do I think that he was putting in enough, you know, during and post-origin? Probably not. Um, I'd say definitely not. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully that's one thing that, you know, we'll see a big improvement on next season is a bit more support for David Clemmer. Because um, uh, David Clemmer was my second-round pick in my fantasy league. And so I could, that's why I was following him a lot closely than a lot of other people because, yeah, he, I had a lot of points riding on him. And, yeah, he was always guarantee, guaranteeing me at least a quarter of my team's points every week um, because he just always got those metres, always made those tackles. So, you know, what more are you spo- really supposed to ask of a front rower? Yeah. Well, uh, who was your player of the year this year? Connor Watson. Easy. That is an absolutely easy pick. I have. Um, I have no no qualms in um, um, putting him up there. Um, David Clemmer, I thought probably sh- um, should have gotten Player of the Year in respect of um, uh, in respect of the the Knights' outfit, just because of his output out there. Um, but yeah, I love watching. I love watching Connor play. I love his enthusiasm. I love his energy. Um, Every single loss, you, you genuinely felt like he was getting hurt. And look, you know, I I thought he got dudded a fair bit this season. Um, I don't think he ever really got given a chance to prove himself in one position. And I get the impression from this offseason, particularly what he had to say in the press today, um, that he's sort of trying to take the approach, look, if they're going to try um, Crossland at six and they want to, you know, they've signed Braley to be a nine, um, I think, um, and obviously Ponga at, at one, I think he's sort of taken the opinion, well, I need to make myself uh, valuable, and I think he sees the utility role. But uh, but this season, I really thought, I thought he was our best hooker, and I I sort of, um, um, yeah, he just he always gave 100% when he was out on the field. So, yeah, Connor Watson for mine, easy peasy. Cool. That's he. That's a good segue. But before that, I think you guys are probably only six or seven more ex-roosters away from making the top eight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like to think that we've made up for that by grabbing their assistant coach. So surely now we only need two or three more um, uh, ex-roosters players. Go to the Newcastle Roosters. I'm I'm all for it. You you guys love a Sharks player as well. So we're trying to get rid of Matt Pryor, Matt Moylan, Josh Dugan... Uh, if any of those guys, you know, tickle your fancy, feel free to come and grab them. Look, Josh Dugan does, if only because I like giving him a hard time about his tats. Um, every time he plays up here, I always make sure that I uh, call out to him, hey, Dugan, your tattoos suck. And, um, you know, I like to think that that makes a difference. So uh, if I could do that on a regular uh, basis, I'm all for that as well. <laughs> Sledging your own players. <laughs> sort of like Dan and I watching Chad Townsend. <laughs> I was going to say, I can think one more play you can come say. Um, Jaden Braley. Now, Terry is on record as not a huge fan of the youngster, and I'm not far behind him. What do you make of the signing? Are you excited, or did you sign the wrong one? Look, is any team going to sign Jaden Braley and say, oh, yeah, that's the missing that's the missing piece in the Premiership puzzle? Uh, I don't know. I sort of... Well, I'll answer that question for you. No, because he's shit. <laughs> the right sounds in the social media. Oh, he's, he's good at that. Yeah, yeah, he looks eager. He looks keen. Um, I, my only personal dealings with Jaden Braley was that he was our starting hooker in my fantasy team last year, and um, he did absolutely bugger all for us. So, I don't know. I sort of... Um, he was a Brown signing as well. I, I, I ran some numbers last year, right, and, and after round 20... He was the second worst attacking hooker in the competition, trailing only Danny Levi. Oh, fantastic! Well, we've upgraded. You've upgraded. See, you know, I'm, all, I'm all about the glass, the glass being half full. Oh, we're moving. Look, hey, in uh, hey, in 14 seasons' time, we'll have finally signed a um, a hooker that's um, right up there. So yeah, we're on a slow burn on that one. And his brother had more try assists and more tries in almost 2,000 less minutes. 
Yeah, he looked good as well. <laughs> he looked good this season. You got anything else before we go into the five names, Dan? Yeah, I do. One thing we always hear about Newcastle, even you guys when you're getting flogged, which is, let's face it, all the time, is fans and community. You guys turn up. The community's behind them. You're great people. Um, judging by Twitter, that, that that's a lie. Um, can you prove us otherwise? <laughs> I feel like I'm being stitched up here. So where's this? Where's this coming from? What has Twitter? What has Twitter told you? Oh, we did, we just cop a lot of grief from uh, from Twitter, and I think you guys beating us in round one was the worst thing that could have happened to you because they all spouted <laughs> off, and it was just it was so much fun after. But, uh, Oh, look, I'll, I'll say this, and I, I've said this consistently this year, that Newcastle is the biggest club in New South Wales. Um, we were we were still the best attended um, club only after um, only after Brisbane. I, um, you know, Newcastle, and I, I appreciate that we're going to get onto the the statue shortly, um, so I won't sort of preempt that too much. Uh, I give the I, I will give the fans a wrap because. I, I've been, I've actually been around a fair few places in Sydney, and, I, and I've, you know, I love seeing the passion of the Tigers fans out of Campbelltown. Um, I actually got to go to a, a South Eels game back in two thousand and one when um, when they were back in the comp, and it was just so much fun to watch the pure joy that a lot of fans have for the game. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you something about Newcastle fans. There, it, it, there really is this intangible, rusted on connection with the game that I can't explain and um, um, when you see how much enjoyment they get just from talking about it just from being at the occasion um, it really is something else so no, I'll, I'll give our fans a wrap there I, I think I think they have a reputation for a, a, an absolute hard hardcore passion for the game because yeah, it's, it's justified cool uh, I've got five names for <laughs> I've got five Oh, look, look, I'm, I'm just going to let you know, if, if you feel a little bit of hostility from me towards Newcastle, uh, I lived there, uh, I went to school there, and I don't, you know, you, you're not you're not as bad as the Tigers to me, but you're sort of down there a little bit. Oh, look, I, um, I actually was going to say more, because um, the Sharks and the Knights have a very sort of checkered yeah. history. We've got a very close link to our history, and I always think back to 2002, because... I'm pretty sure that season we both dished out the biggest floggings that each te- that both teams copped that year, yeah. and I think that really sums up the link the, that's, that's always going to be there between the Knights and the Sharks. Now, I never get the impression, that, you know, except for when the Knights over the past few years have been, you know, ridiculously bad. But you know, I've never gotten the impression during one season that that one team had it over the other. Yeah. Um, you know, even a, even and, and I go back to the you know. Our premiership year of two thousand and one, you know, we were one. We were one lucky try away from missing out on the grand final. And what I maintain is one of the best preliminary finals I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I, I have no issue with um, Sharks fans taking issue with Knights fans. You know, there's been a strong rivalry there for years. So, but the fact that you're from Newcastle as well does that give it an added dimension. I'll give you that much. <laughs> uh, I've got five names for you. Um, so I've got two of your up and coming players. Just give us a little bit uh, of insight to him. Stafford Tower. He's got he got the second best name in rugby league. Star Tower. Well, I, I didn't really get to see much of him this year because he was in, he was injured a lot of the year, wasn't he? Or did he sort yeah. of? He, yeah. he, there are there he are huge raps on him though. Like he's quick. He's got silky skills. He's got great hands. I was hoping you had seen something of him. Talk, yeah, he is getting talked up a fair bit. Um, um, you know, I think the idea is that he'll get some sort of introduction to first grade next year. Um, but um, you know, I think take your time with him is right. the, is the there. Yeah, that's good. The man with the best name in rugby league, though, Bradman Best. What's his future so, like? So how good was his post-match interview where he's looking at the camera? You can't teach that. You cannot. That is just um, that is just skill that comes so naturally. Look, I'm... I'm I've, um, I think that kid has just got the X factor. I was, um, I was watching uh, Andrew Johns's uh, debut game again way back in um, his starting, his starting debut, and um, some kids have just got because it, it's easy to take for granted this idea that oh yeah we start them young and they'll actually end up being something. I remember watching that first game that um, that Bradman played in, and um, 
he just looked like he was built for it. He yeah. just looked like this is what he'd been almost born to do. Yeah. So, yeah, big things for him next year. It's it's um, The sky's uh, definitely not the limit for him. He's above and beyond. Right. Bro, yeah, I'd, I'd big raps on him as well. I think he'll look good playing outside uh, Bronson's area for New South Wales in a few years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a name... There. You can't. It's, it's, that's going to be a hard backline to get into. Uh, a name that's going to bring a bit of pain for you and a lot of joy for us, Jesse Ramian. Uh, so, because, and again, this is the this is the thing about being a Knights fan is that. So I started the year on the high, loving Jesse. Obviously, towards the end of his stay with our game, because you go back to that Roosters game where he dropped the ball with the line there right in front of him. Um, but then with his departure, and certainly the way it was presented in the media, we were, I was very down on uh, Ramian. Um, you know, we were all on Team Brown. Oh, Brownie standing up for coaches and all of that. And at the end of the day, the way that um, Nathan Brown's departed and um, what Jesse's had to say in the media, who really knows what's sort of going on? I, I hope, I hope. Um, uh, jokes aside, you wish him all the best, but. Uh, I certainly hope that he doesn't <laughs> doesn't do particularly well next year, and uh, you can be guaranteed that are you guys are the Sharks playing in Newcastle next year. Oh, I haven't checked the draw; it's the off season. Um, well, I bet you, you can, I can guarantee you that when you guys are up here, if you, if you are up here, um, put him down for a, yep, yeah, you guys are up here in round eleven. Uh, put him down for a hat trick. You know that that's going to happen. So uh, anyway, <laughs> enough said about that. Let's move on. <laughs> yes. Uh, next name I have for you, uh, Nathan Brown. I thought we had, we've only got an hour. How I um, <laughs> um what that I could say about him. <laughs> uh, what I will say is, I think he's. I think he let us down. I really do think he let us down. Um, the problem for him is that you can't. You can't expect to live off goodwill for very long after a one-win season. There aren't very many teams that are going around in the NRL who can say, yeah, we got through a one-win season and um, you know, live to tell the tale. I'm pretty sure the Knights are the only team that can say that. So for him to tell us that everything was going to be all right after that, and it wasn't, uh, I think I think is a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very disappointing way for him to finish. So um, I wish him all the best for the future, and um, but I certainly don't want to see him around my club anytime soon. All right, and uh, the last name that I have for you is your new coach, Andrew O'Brien. Adam. Adam. Adam O'Brien. Adam O'Brien. Um, was that a test? Were you trying to make sure that I actually knew um, the new coach's take? Uh, it, name? it actually so, just showed that I I didn't even know who your coach was. <laughs> <laughs> so I had. I had the distinct pleasure of um, uh, running into him at the Legends of League tournament um, last weekend, yep. the weekend before last. And uh, I, what I said to him was, I said, Adam, I don't think you appreciate how happy Newcastle, the people of Newcastle are to have you here, mate. And um, he was talking with Michael Crocker at the time, and I was really worried that I was, because I was interrupting him, that Mick Crocker was going to belt me. But um, he just said, he just shook my hand. He said, no, 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 not at all. He says, I'm... He says, I really am getting the impression that um, that everybody's excited. And he says, I, I promise you, I really am happy to be here. Um, again, he's making all of the right noises. But the thing is, is that the noises that I'm hearing from the park during training, um, the intensity's lifted. And um, I, think, uh, I think he's doing all the right things so far. And um, I think... I think I definitely think we'll win more games next year than we did this season. But this is the time of the year when all Knights fans uh, start to believe that. So uh, come and see me again in twelve months' time. All right, the floor's almost yours. We've got two more questions for you. The best win of the year for you? Rooster, ah, the Roosters win by yeah. far. Uh, I said to my mates in Bay Fifty Three when um, Mitchell Pearce kissed the crest after scoring that uh, that try. I said, that moment will stay with me uh, for the rest of my life. And you can actually hear my cousin on the post-game commentary uh, when Mitchell Pierce is being interviewed at the desk. And uh, my cousin's just screaming out at the top of his lungs, we love you, Mitchell. And uh, you could hear that across Channel 9. So, easy one, that. That was by far the best win of the season. Uh, what was your worst loss? 
So it's a three-way tie between the uh, the Titans up at the Gold Coast, the Bulldogs at home, and the uh, Cowboys out at uh, sorry the Tigers out at Campbelltown because uh, all three of them represented three parts of us at our at our worst. Um, in it, against the Gold Coast, we just looked inept. Um, against the Bulldogs, we looked like we had no heart, and. Um, Against the Tigers, it's the first time that I really felt let down by them. So, uh, yeah, three-way tie, unfortunately. Beautiful, mate. Well, I, I for one, I probably one of the, or two of the three here that were happy you guys missed the eight, so I didn't want to deal with the Twitter blowback. <laughs> Speaking of Twitter, though, we've, um, as Terry mentioned earlier, there's something going on. I don't, I don't want to blow it, so we're just gonna, I'm just going to open it up to you. The bronze for Johns. Started as a bit of, uh, as, as Terry said off camera, when we first heard it, it was like, oh, yeah, this will last a week. Um, we couldn't be more wrong, mate. Want to tell us about it, what the end goal is, what's on board, how we can help, etc., etc. Right. So, uh, 22nd of September, I think it was. Uh, no, the 18th. So, the 18th of September, I was sitting there scrolling through my Twitter feed, and who should appear but uh, the delightful Wally Lewis uh, announcing that, a sketch had finally been drawn for the Jonathan or Joe Nathan, as I like to call him, uh, Thurston statue that was going to be built at the new uh, stadium up in Townsville. And I was like, I copped the Wally Lewis statue. I've copped the Darren Lockyer one. Jonathan uh, Jonathan Thurston, though, getting a statue before Andrew Johns is an injustice in the game of rugby league that I just will not stand for. And a friend of mine said, right, well, if you, if, you, if you care that much about it, you've got to put a petition together. And I was like, that's exactly what I'll do. Now, a Brisbane Broncos fan who thought that he was being hilarious said to me, no, 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 no. Petitions aren't where it's at. Money's, money's where what you need to get these things doing. You need, to school, you need to set up a GoFundMe page. So I set up a GoFundMe page on the Friday and the next thing I know, some random had put in $500 anonymously, said, this needs to happen. Everybody has to get on board. And Andrew Johns was being asked about it after the Friday night footy that night. And because I, I, was, I was sitting at home, um, I think I was watching, a, I think I'd switched off the footy and uh, started watching uh, a movie my phone just started going ballistic. It was just like the notification, like, hey, he's talking about your statue, he's talking about... I was like, you're joking. Um, so when when I saw the clip and when I saw that Andrew Johns had not said no to the idea, I was like, right, this has to happen. Now, um, for me personally, I had a two-week gap between jobs, which gave me all the time in the world to just sit on my computer and hassle anybody known to man um, about this statue. So I was waking up daily, just tagging everybody I possibly could, going, hey, what do you think about a bronze statue of the eighth immortal and rugby league goat, Andrew Andrew Johns? Just uh, across my timeline. I I cannot imagine how many people uh, have muted me or blocked me because (laughs) of it. But... Lo and behold, on, on at the end of my second week off work, I get this message, and it's a local NBN reporter, and she's like, "Hey, I've, I've seen your I've seen your Twitter campaign." I was like, "Oh yeah, what do you think about?" It? She says, "Look, we'd love to do a piece on it um, if you're if you're interested. Uh, can we meet up today, and uh, we'll see if we can garner any interest." So I did. We did a piece. Uh, went to went to air. Uh, they started talking about it. And um, then the next thing I knew, you know, friends of mine in the media were contacting me going, hey, we'd like to help out. Graphic designer friends of mine were contacting me saying, hey, if you need any help uh, designing a a statue, um, you know, uh, I'd love to devote a bit of time to it. And then I very, very, very fortunately met up with a businessman from Greta. And he was like, this has to happen. He says, I don't understand why we haven't done it before. And so... Because there, there are two parts. Well, there are two two parts about doing this. One is that you have the guy who's just throw you throw as much mud as you can. Some of it's going to stick. You have another guy who's a lot smarter than me, though, who's actually talking to people behind the scenes that matter and garnering interest and using connections and you know seeing what's what and what needs to be done. And so it just ended up being a perfect storm of he and I meeting up 
using our relative uh, skills to sort of start making a little bit of noise. The introduction of my, a friend of mine from the media, though, was probably a, a really big turning point because he was like, media release. you got to do a media release. He said, I've got a few emails here and we can start sending them out. So radio started to pick it up and it just started to slowly build momentum. So this all culminated in the Legends of League recently where I found myself stumbled onto the sideline uh, for the, the, the grand final between the Bulldogs and the Eels. And, um, oh, sorry, before that, uh, I'd, I'd lined up for the autographs with um, the Knights players and every single one of them, I support Bronze for Johns, happy to do it on the on the video. And by the time I got to Joey, I was... Um, have you guys ever met your hero? Have you have you ever met your, your boyhood hero as a grown man? And I do a I podcast would... with him every week. <laughs> Same joke. <laughs> so you will talk your ear off. I think I hugged Nathan Hindmarsh when he did the video for me. I was so nervous meeting Andrew Johns, I couldn't speak. I just I didn't want to say anything wrong. I didn't want him to think that I was a, a psychotic, a, a psychopath. Or, you know, certainly not towards him. And um, I just sort of looked at him and he saw my T-shirt. He shook my hand. I said, and I, all I said to him was, I said, oh, Andrew, we're, we're doing this legitimately. I don't want you to think that we're being silly about it. And he said, no, nah, mate, I, I think it's great. You're doing a great job. And he took the photo and um, the photos ended up making into the paper. And it's just, it's just been this thing, because I, I appreciate it. We're going to have to wrap up shortly. So I sort of, it's been this thing where, and I say it to my other half, the statue continues to deliver something new every day. Whether it's a friend who was at the supercars on Saturday saying, oh, I just ran into Mitchell Pearce and he says he supports Bronze for Johns. It, the statue just keeps continuing to deliver. It, it brings people out of the woodwork. You know, I, I, I ran into someone at a bar one night, and a, a friend of a friend. He said, mate, you don't know who I am, but I promise you I know who you are and what you're doing is a great thing. And what I'm loving about the project so far is the people that I've met and the number of people that it really is bringing together uh, to hopefully do something nice for Newcastle. So it started out as an annoyance about Jonathan Nathan and it's ended up, uh, uh, sorry, Jonathan Thurston, and uh, it's ended up being a, a, a project of passion where, yeah, I'm really getting to know a lot of people in Newcastle and loving every minute of it. It has to be, the if the statue goes ahead, it has to be the picture of him on his skateboard. So... Yeah, so this is a big bone of contention. There are three popular design concepts at the moment. The first one is obviously the, um, the skateboard. Um, the second one is him holding up the trophy at the end of the 2001 Grand Final. But at the moment, probably the most popular one is him passed out at Townsville at, at Toowoomba Airport. <laughs> a very strong front runner. And, um, and, you know, can I be honest with you? I'm really sort of reaching a stage where I'm just hoping that venues New South Wales, you know, I'll wear them down like I did my, um, um, my ex-wife. And um, they'll just go, look, okay, fine, we'll do it. Uh, can you just stop bothering us? Yeah. Which would be great because they can take over and they can make those sorts of decisions. So, um, I saw something. Uh, I saw you release something the other day. Actually, that someone wrote back to you and said that it couldn't be done because of some construction or uh, what? There was there was a reason that it couldn't be done for a while. Well, so so the most recent response we've had from venues New South Wales is that um, because what a lot of people don't appreciate about um, McDonald Jones Stadium is that it's Crown land, so it's all. Um, everything's political. It's not just simply a case of, um, oh, we found a, a nice a free spot here that everyone's happy with. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, the appropriate political avenues need to be taken to get it done. Venues New South Wales at the moment have got a pretty big development idea of their own that they're doing for not just McDonald Jones Stadium, but a large area, that large area in Newcastle. Um, and I'd say they, you know, I don't know where they're up to in their own development plans, but I'd I just imagine they're not really interested at the moment in anything coming along to that's going to put their plans out of place, which is fine. Um, I just don't think that a you know a five foot ten replica of the greatest player of all time could um, could um, make too many plan too many plans um, unworkable. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, what can what can we do? How, how can we get Bronze okay. for Johns pushed out? Okay, if you jump on Google, 
you just need to Google Andrew John's statue, mm-hmm. and that will take you to links that'll either lead you to our GoFundMe page, mm-hmm. um, where people can donate um, some, uh, you know, five dollars, ten dollars. Like I said, uh, one um, benefactor contributed five hundred dollars. Uh, actually, one business, sorry, contributed f- uh, fifteen hundred dollars. Um, so there's a GoFundMe page, the Andrew Johns um, statue at McDonald Jones Stadium. Now, if you want to show your support um, more morally, as it were, we do have a change.org petition. Um, and again, if you Google Andrew Johns statue, uh, that'll come up uh, on, uh, at change.org. And we're building up a fairly significant following on Facebook at the moment where we do most of our updates. And to be honest with you, it's just us posting um, you know, uh, memes uh, that involve uh, statues of Andrew Johns a lot of the content that you do see on Twitter. Uh, but we're, I think we're up to about 1,750 um, followers on that at the moment. And again, it, the, the idea is to build up as much interest as we can, get public backing. Um, there are links on the Facebook page as well to write to um, the Minister for Sport saying we want this statue, this is why we want it, this is why we think it's good. And um, at the moment, we're sort of trying to start a letter-writing campaign um, to... Um, yeah, get um, get more behind-the-scenes support. But that, that's the big three ways that you can do You can donate, you can sign the petition, or you can come and follow us on Facebook and uh, join the discussion. Well, just now, Fins Up Pod has donated 20 bucks to Bronze for Johns. Hey, that's what we want to see. Look, I've I, I got to be honest with you, boy. This is, and this is what I love about it. I posted a story about Bob from Mayfield on my Twitter feed the other day, and uh, it's just the people that you meet. It's the stuff that gets people together, you know? It's... Um, that's that's what I'm loving about the project, you know. Rugby league has got some fantastic people in it, amazing people, and yeah, just just like meeting you two um, good blokes tonight. So yeah, thank you very much. That's all right, mate. Wait, before we wrap up, sorry, Terry. Yeah. There is an ulterior reason we brought you on the pod, and I didn't tell you about this, Terry, because I knew you'd blab. We want to get a Chad Townsend statue in Cronulla. <laughs> <laughs> Not of him holding the premiership, but of him blowing that overlap. Because my bin's always full on a Tuesday night, and I need something to throw shit at, and I need something to laugh and the bird shit on it. How do I get it done? Who do I annoy, and how do I get Chad covered in bird shit? Mate, what you need to do is you need to um, start uh, tweeting every hour on the hour, hashtag mad for Chad. And uh, I can guarantee you that will be viral by the end of the uh, end of the week, and you will... Uh, you too will be bothering a statutory body for a statue. So, yeah. I'll, I'll give you some shout-outs on Twitter during the week. Mad for Chad. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, uh, we'll hashtag this out, Bronze for Johns. Uh, mate, Carlo, it's been an absolute pleasure. You have been incredible. We hope this statue uh, gets built. 20 bucks. It's, it's all I can do. I would love to give you more. I'm going on holidays tomorrow. Uh, I hope it gets up. I hope the Knights don't. Thank you so much. <laughs> Boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. I could talk about footy all night, and um, thank you very much for having me on. I, yeah, hopefully we can do it again one day. We will. We will. Bronze for Johns. Yeah, uh, before round 11 next year, we'll get you back on the podcast to review the, the Sharks' nights. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, boys. You have a good night. Cheers.